When we as Christians give our lives to the Lord, we are giving Him everything. We're giving Him control of every area of our life. We're giving Him our heart. We're giving Him our life, which means we need to learn to let go and trust God. talking about letting go or learning to let go. There's a lot of things in life, especially, you know, as us as people, we want to be able to control everything. We want to fix all the problems. We want to, you know, make sure that we can dictate how things are going to happen, that when things happen that are outside of our control, we, we do everything we can to try to control things, to make things happen, to fix situations all of these things. And a lot of times when we try to do it in and of ourselves, we end up making it an even bigger mess than it needs to be. And I wanna to talk today about learning to let go. And there's these you know, three key areas in our life that we need to learn to trust God with, to let go of and trust in Him. And the first one I wanna talk about is learning to let God fight our battles for us. You know, a lot of times when we're, we're dealing with, with a hardship or if somebody in our life is, you know, stirring up problems or accusing us of things or, you know, causing, causing strife. A lot of times we immediately, we have to defend ourselves. We have to rampage over them. We have to fix it. We have to do all this stuff. And we take it into our own hands to try to deal with this person or try to deal with this situation or try to fight for, for I have to fight for myself. I have to fight for this. I can't let anybody bad talk me. I can't let this happen. And then what ends up happening though is when we, we try to do that and take that into our hands, we can end up causing more strife, more problems, more chaos, more confusion than what really needs to happen. And I want to show a perfect example of where we can see this happen in the Bible. So there's a story in 1 Samuel 25 and it's 1 Samuel 25, 2 through 34. I mean, it's basically the entire passage of 1 Samuel 25. Uh, for time's sake, I'm not going to read the entire passage, but I'll give you a synopsis of what's going on. So in this passage, David, you know, he's, he's a king. He's on the run. This is when uh, Saul is still king and David's out, you know, living with his men and he's kind of running for his life. And during this time, he was living, he was outside and he was watching this man's sheep, whose name goes by Nabal. So he's keeping this man's sheep. He's protecting him. He has his whole army around them. They're treating his servants really good, taking care of his servants, making sure his servants are safe and are fed and, you know, just doing a really, really great service for this man. So then David ends up sending a message to Nabal because he, he found out, oh, he's the owner of these sheep. He said, well, send a message to Nabal and, and I'm going to come in and, and, you know, maybe he, ask him for some hospitality. If he'll help him out, if he'll help his men out, maybe give him some, some food or, for comp or some compensation for taking care of his sheep. So in, in the scripture, if you read through this, it talks about Nabal and his wife, Abigail. And it says the name of the man was Nabal. And this man was really wealthy, really um, influential individual. And the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his, 
in his doings. So Nabal was harsh and he was e evil. So when David sent the request to Nabal, he, he responded and he said that Nabal answered David's servants, if you look down in verse 10. And it says, who is this David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? So he basically turned, it, turned David down, turned his men down, said, I don't even know who this guy is. No, I'm not sharing anything with him. Well, David ended up getting very, very upset at Nabal's response to him because he spent days taking care of his sheep. He spent days making sure his servants were okay. And you know, his servants brought a good report to Nabal about how great this man was. They even talked to his wife, Abigail, and said, look, we think what's going on is wrong. David's a great man, like you should help him. And this response made David very angry. And what he was going to do was he was like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to go. I'm going to kill Nabal. I'm going to kill everybody in his household because David was a man of war. He was a warrior. And he, he had said it in his heart to do this. And then it says, then Abigail made haste because she heard that her husband had turned him down. So she makes this food to bring to David, brings, goes out there and stops him before he makes it to Nabal's household and makes it to where he lives. And she, she dismounted and she, she fell at David's feet and she said, on me, my Lord, on let this iniquity be and please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please not let my Lord regarding the scoundrel Nabal for, he, for as his name is, so is he Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, do not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek, seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. So she basically makes a, 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 a plea to David and ask him to forgive her, forgive Nabal, take all these things that she's given and saying, look, you, you've, you haven't taken vengeance on Saul. You haven't taken vengeance on these. You, you haven't had to make bloodshed because you always say the Lord will take care of you. So let this be another incident where you let the Lord take care of Nabal and you just accept my gift, my peace offering and my you know, thing I'm bringing as, as asking for your forgiveness. And then David said to Abigail, he said, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by the morning light, no males would have been left of Nabal. So, what was David saying? He says, thank you for doing this, because what happened was, you know, and then he heard he, he said, blessed be the Lord who, ple who pleaded the cause of my reproach on the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil and has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. So the Lord fought David's battle for him. David didn't have to go and kill Nabal. He didn't have to go and do the bloodshed. He stood back and he let the Lord do it. And he thanked Abigail. He said, thank you for coming and reminding me of this. Thank you for coming and saving me from making bloodshed. He basically said, thank you from stopping me from becoming a murderer. 
Because sometimes when we go and we, you know, we can go and badmouth people, we can go and disrespect people, we have to feel like we have to defend ourselves, we end up just attacking each other and tearing each other apart until there's nothing left. So in this, we need to learn to let go and let God fight our battles for us. You know, Exodus 13 or 14, 13. So Exodus 14, 13, it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord, will, the, the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again because the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And this can be really hard for people to do. And especially, you know, some born again Christians, when we're up in our emotions, we're hurt, we're angry, we're mad. We want to seek vengeance. We want to make things right. We got to make them hurt just like we're hurting. All of these things, we'd have to learn to let it go. We have to learn to let it go and trust God and say, God, you know what this individual did. You know what's going on. You know how they've wronged me. I'm just going to let it go. And I'm going to trust you to handle this situation rather than trying to take vengeance into my own hands. You know, it says the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. You have to be still. A lot of times we'll, we'll say, okay, I got to try to do it. And then we do everything we can, mess everything up, make everything a bigger deal than it needs to be, stir up more strife, stir up more anger, stir up more chaos. And then when everything we try doesn't work, then we're like, okay, God, now you can try to fix it because I can't do anything anymore. I tried all my options. I tried doing it myself and it didn't work. And now we're left with an even bigger mess than when we started. And a lot of times, even in that bigger mess, we still have to deal with the consequences of our own decisions that may have escalated the situation more than it needed to be. And then we can be mad at that because, oh no, I have to deal with this on top of all this other stuff. Rather than just letting go and trusting God and saying, okay, God, I need to let you handle this situation. I need to trust you and to let go of any bitterness, to let go of any anger, to let go of any resentment and say, God, you know what's going on. I give this into your hand. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to meditate on it. I'm just going to trust that you're going to handle it. And that's what it means to let go. You know, Deuteronomy 24. So chapter 20, verse four. It says, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. So the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you. Who's fighting for you? God is fighting for you. So stand back and let him fight for you. A lot of times we can't, we don't trust him. We can't let go. So instead of waiting on God to fight for us, we go and charge headlong into it and say, you know, we don't even consider to ask Ask God, hey God, what do you want me to do about this situation? How should I handle this situation? What's the best way to approach it? It's, I charge, you know, and you just run straight into everything. And we've got to learn to let go and trust God to fight our battles for us. And when we do that, he'll always come out on our end. And when we do that, he, it, it will end up exalting us. It will keep us safe. Just like David, it kept him from unnecessary bloodshed. He didn't have to do something. He didn't have to dirty his hands. He didn't have to make it into a big deal. He just sat back and let God handle the situation. And we need to learn to do the same is to sit back and let God handle the battles in our life, you know, to say, God, this is something I need you to take care of and trust him to do it. Another thing we must learn to let go of is our will. 
You know, Luke 22:42. it says, Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So as Christians, we've got to live our life. We've got to come to the place where we're putting down our flesh, putting down our will and saying, God, it's not about my will anymore. It's about your will. What is your will in this situation? What is your will in handling these things? What is your will in how I should respond to this? Rather than, well, I think we should do this, or I want to do this, or I don't feel comfortable with this, or I, you know, it's just me, myself, and I, my feelings, my emotions, my, my will, you know, all of this kind of stuff. It's not about me anymore. When we become saved, we say, God, I'm giving you my will. I'm letting go of my will. And I'm saying, it's not my will anymore, but your will. And I want your will in my life. I want your blessings in my life. I want your direction in my life. I want your guidance in my life, not my own. So we have to learn to let that go and learn to trust God when he gives us directions on things or when he tells us to do things. Even if it seems uncomfortable, even if it's stepping out of our comfort zone or something we're not familiar with or something we're not used to doing and saying, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done. Just like Jesus, when he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, his flesh, his will, he didn't want to have to die on the cross. You know, not that he wasn't willing, like, because he loved us, but saying, like, if there's any other way that you can still accomplish what needs to be done and I don't have to go through with this, please let, you know, I, I would gladly take that other way rather than having to die on the cross. But he said, nevertheless, even if it wasn't, it doesn't matter how I feel. It's not my will, but your will be done. And then he, you know, he went and he died for all mankind, saving humanity, coming the perfect sacrifice. And we can see, you know, John 6, 38, Jesus said all the time, you know, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So it's ours, us as Christians, it's not about living life according to how I want to live life. It's living life according to what the gospel said, living life according to the instructions of the word of God, living life according to God's will and not our own. So we have to learn to let go of our will. You know, Psalms 48, so verse four, uh, chapter 40, verse eight, it says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So make it a delight to do his will. Say, God, I want to do your will. I want to live righteously. I want to do what pleases you. I want to have that as a desire of my heart, not I want to see how much I can get away with, but saying, God, I want everything in my life to align with your will. I want everything in my life to align with what you want me to be doing and to help guide me, to help lead me, to help teach me so that I can walk according to your will and not my will. And, you know, a lot of times when we have to do this, we've got to put our flesh under. We've got to put, you know, how we feel under, how what we want to do, our opinions, all this. We have to put it under. You know, 1 Corinthians 9.27, it says, But I bring and keep my body under subjection, least when preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So what he's saying, he's saying as a minister or somebody, who, you know, and if you call yourself a Christian, make sure you're setting the example of being a good Christian. You know, do what you can to live according to the word of God, according to the will of God. 
striving to do things correctly and, you know, changing where you need to change. If there needs to be change in your life and say, you know what, it's not my will, it's God's will. That's what I'm seeking. That's what I'm going after. So that when you go and minister to people or you walk in and you want to be a witness to somebody or you go and talk to somebody about the Bible, don't be so that you're only talking about it so that, you know, that you're living it, that you're doing what should be right, putting your body under subjection so that when you preach or talk or try to instruct somebody else or talk about the Bible, you won't disqualify yourself because you can't, you're not living according to how it says you should be living. So that's another one we've got to learn to let go of is let go of our will and trust God with his because his will is perfect for our life. His will is good. His will is, is um, you know, the Bible tells us the plans he has for us, our plans to prosper us, to bring us good health, to bless us. That's what God wants to do. So when we know that's what his will is, we can trust him and say, I know what your will is. I know it's going to bring blessing. I know it's going to prosper. I know it's going to bring good because he's a good God. And the last thing we've got to learn to let go of is we've got to give up our dreams, our passions and desires to God. We've got to lay them on the altar. And a good example of seeing this in action scripturally was, is with Abraham. Because God gave a promise to Abraham. God gave a dream to Abraham. God gave vision to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, leave your family. Go to this land that I'm going to give you and I will make you a great nation. I will give you a son. I will give you an heir. That's a dream. That's a promise. That's a desire. Abraham desired to have children. He hadn't had any and he desired to have children. So he goes out and does this thing. And then after he had his son, God asked him to bring him up to the mountain and sacrifice his son to him. So he was testing Abraham's heart. Are you willing to give up your passion and your desire? The thing that you hold on to most, can you lay that on the altar before God? And we can see that Abraham was able to do that. And when he put his son on the altar, he was getting ready to sacrifice him. And God sent an angel down to stop him and said, no, don't, don't kill him, don't kill him. He says, now I see that you really trust me, that you really love me, you know. And he let Abraham keep his son and gave in a substitute as an offering. You see, we've got to make sure that we're willing, the things that we desire, the things that are the most important to us, can I put that on the altar, let it go and give it to God? And you see, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians um, 3, 12 through 15. And it says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, stubble, each one's work will be revealed for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If anyone's work which has been built on the foundation endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved still to the going through of the fire. So this is talking about um, primarily when it comes to judgment of Christians, but it's also, you can also take it in regards to putting things onto the, the altar of God, giving it to God and to know, hey, if it's good, if it's of God's will, he'll give it back to me. He'll make it happen because he knows the desires of our heart. And the Bible tells us that God wants to give us the desires of our heart. You know, Psalm 37, four, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act and he will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as noonday. 
So we've got to make sure we, we understand, okay, God wants to give me the desires of my heart. So I'll trust him with those desires. I'll let go of them and give them to him. And if it's of his will and if it will be good for me and if it will prosper me, he will make sure it comes to pass rather than us trying to make it happen or force it happen but force things to happen by ourselves. Cause I've seen so many times where people, they have a calling from God. They have a strong desire to do God's will, but they jump the gun. They try to force things to happen. They don't wait on the Lord and it becomes a big mess. And then they get hurt. Then they're like, well, maybe this wasn't God's will. Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I don't deserve to do this. And they back off and they let it die because they tried to do it themselves rather than giving it to God, letting go of it and giving it to God. And these things can be hard to let go of. I mean, do you think it was easy for Abraham, you know, to say, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my son. I'm going to do it. You know, he, he said he committed in his heart. He, he made the commitment in his heart, but I'm sure as a father having to lay his son and give him back to the Lord, that was not an easy thing to do, but he had to let go of it and say, God, I'm letting go of this. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting your will. I'm trusting your word. And if it's meant to be, because you made me this promise, it was going to happen. You're going to make it happen. And he put all the pressure on God to deliver on his promises, to deliver on his word. And he had full and complete trust in him. And we've got to make sure we can get to that place with our desires and with our passions and the things that we want most to happen in our life. We have to say, okay, God, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to put it on the altar and I'm going to give it over to you. And I know that if it is good for me, that it is, and you know that it's the desire of my heart that you will make it come to pass in my life. Not me, but him. And we just do what he tells us to do. And in due time, we will see it manifest in our life. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really hope it was an encouragement for you, something that you know you could say, okay, to, to, to encourage you to trust God more and to learn to let him fight your battles for him, to let go of our will and trust his will and to let go of our passions and our desires and trust God that his are even better than ours and so that we can let go and trust God with every area of our life. Again, thank you so much for listening today. I hope this blessed you. Thank you.